My name is Jeff Harbach. I'm the CEO of Coffin Fellows and the host of the Coffin Fellows podcast. This season, our podcast is produced in partnership with Mighty Capital and features different Coffin Fellows as co-hosts. In this podcast, we dive deep into the personal narratives of some of the most successful names in the venture capital industry, but we're not here just to explore their highlight reels, however impressive they are. From failures and formative learning experiences to inflection points and aha moments, we discuss the real, authentic journeys that each individual goes through to become the best version of themselves in order to best serve the entrepreneurs they invest in. Covering various themes in venture capital investing, we speak with the world's top leaders in capital formation, all from a place of authenticity and vulnerability. Together, we'll unravel what truly makes a great venture capital investor. Now let's meet today's host and their guest. Hi, my name is Maddie Callender, VP at Boost VC, the 500K accelerator for sci-fi tech. And I'm thrilled to host this series, Women Leading Deep Tech Investments, featuring the stories, motivations, and industry insights of venture capitalists who are taking big risks on the next generation of deep tech founders. Now, let me introduce my guest today. Uh, I want to give a warm welcome to Tess Hatch of Bessemer Venture Partners. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to have you here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat. I wanted to jump in by learning a little bit more about your background and maybe having you share your career journey so far. Sally Ride, the first American female astronaut, attended my childhood school when she was a little girl. So years after graduating from Harvard Wesleyan in Los Angeles, she went on to become the first American female astronaut, and she came back to speak at my high school. And I was maybe in seventh or eighth grade. She ignited this passion for space and specifically traveling to space. And I just wanted to be her ever since that day. Um, I started applying to NASA's astronaut application process. Very underqualified. I uh, had no <laughs> no um, uh, of the qualifications to be an astronaut, but, but noticing common themes and backgrounds of astronauts, I started embarking down that journey and that path. I proceeded to get a undergrad in aerospace engineering from the University of Michigan, go blue, uh, an aeronautics and astronautics master's from Stanford, go Cardinals, and um, worked at various companies like Boeing as a structural design engineer working on metal 3D printing, printed pieces on a satellite platform, and SpaceX in mission management working um, on integrating customers' payloads, which were satellites, with its Falcon 9 rocket. I'm now a partner in Bessemer Venture Partners. So you may say, well, how did you go from aerospace engineering to investing? Like, what is a venture capitalist? And, and hey, I still very much think of myself as an aerospace engineer. However, rather than working at a single company on a satellite platform or a rocket, I'm investing in the ecosystem and pushing other space companies forward and investing in those companies and um, continually helping them open space for business. I love that. Can you dig a little bit into Bessemer Venture Partners thesis? And I know it's not all deep tech, but can you give us a little insight into the frontier deep tech thesis? Absolutely. Bessemer is the oldest venture capital firm. We're currently investing out of our 11th $2.6 billion venture fund. And we also just raised our second about $1 billion growth fund. So a large pool of capital, and, and, and we can invest as small as $100,000 and as large as $100 million. We really want to help support founders on, on, on every journey, every part of their journey. And we do like to partner early and help them grow and lead into market-leading businesses. To your point, yes, I invest in deep, frontier, tough, hard tech. 
However, each one of my partners has their own subject matter expertise, their own specific, and we call them roadmaps, which are the areas that they focus on. So each person and each partner has theirs and, and, and very popular and large ones at Bessemer include uh, SaaS slash cloud. They include cybersecurity. They include healthcare, health tech, biotech, consumer, et cetera. So uh, I'm off in the corner doing the fun, in my opinion, space and drone and autonomous vehicle. And then recently, the future of food technology. Ooh, that sounds really fun. Um, so is can you give us a more formal definition of deep tech in your world? I view deep tech as turning theory into reality. It's what was science fiction only a handful of years ago. That's reality today. Oh, I love that. So with that in mind, what do you think are some of the most important challenges we face in the 21st century? And how do you see your investments playing a role in solving those challenges? I believe we need to be a multi-planet species in order to survive. And that's not to give up on Earth. It's because the technology needed to get to and sustain life on another planet will ultimately benefit and help life on Earth to these challenges we face in the 21st century. I'll use a historical example and then the potential future examples. And a historical example, during the Apollo mission, we landed astronauts on the surface of the moon and we wanted to take selfies. That optic technology that was used to take pictures on the lunar surface was the fundamental technology that invented MRI and CT scans, saving lives every day in hospitals. I can only imagine what relanding on the moon and, and, and further exploring Mars, Venus, et cetera, uh, all of the, the unbeknownst secondary and tertiary effects, whether that's climate change, whether that's food shortages and distribution, I'm really confident that space exploration will help solve and fix those challenges. When you are looking at deep tech investments, you know, what are you looking for in a startup founder that may be different than traditional investments? Every founder, I look for a growth mindset. I look for passion, grit, curiosity, intellectual honesty. When it comes to a, a deep tech startup founder specifically, I do look for what that specific tech quality looks like. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a PhD in the computer vision slam technology the computer vision company is going after, but it does have to be uh, an immense understanding, a, a technological or scientific understanding of the problem that they're solving, whether that's rocket science or, or the computer vision application. Like I do look for they're the only person or, or, or one of a few handful of people in the world who who even know how to understand this problem, but know the problem intimately. I think that's incredibly important and, and a nuance. And, and a different way to sort of frame that is what an amazing competitive moat. What a, what a deep and wide competitive moat the company already has just in the qualifications of the founder or the founding team. And moving forward, what an amazing competitive moat of your satellite literally being in the vacuum of space. Yeah, it may take a little bit longer and, and you have to design, build, test, and launch an asset to space, which is a little more expensive than changing a line of code of, of, of software and pushing it into the ether to get your result. But you have this amazing competitive moat uh, that is difficult to follow after. Yeah, you mentioned the longer time horizons and maybe the the, the funding risks or the funding cycle, cycles are a little bit different. How should LPs and investors be thinking about 
deep tech investments from that perspective? Only 2% of businesses are venture backed. So digging into the VC of your question specifically, because I I don't have much experience, if any, in, in private equity. But I think the deep tech companies should be held to the same standard as the rest of the companies, the same ROI, return on their investment within the same time horizon. And choosing if venture is the really right, correct avenue for you. Um, again, only 2% of companies are venture backed. And we look for this exponential hockey stick growth, or I like to use rocket ship. Uh, growing really quickly in a really short period of time. So deep tech companies have to do that as well. And and I think there's two points on this. Um, I think one, just because you're working on satellites or drones or carbon capture, like it's, it's tough engineering and tough science, but that doesn't give you an excuse to forget or not have a business model that accompanies that. And the second part is the best business model ever invented is right now SaaS and having a we're occurring, and it doesn't necessarily have to be software because we're deep tech hardware companies typically, but having or using that business model and making sure you're really measuring how you're growing and, and, and stealing, stealing the metrics that SaaS companies track, whether it's gross margins, net and gross retention, growing quickly and efficiently, all of those elements are, are really important. Any company you are, even deep tech companies. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. You mentioned earlier that in your kind of weird corner of the world, you're curious about autonomous vehicles, food tech, in addition to aerospace. What are you most excited about right now? And and um, what are you spending the most time thinking about? The future of food technology. Ooh, okay. Imagine using novel ingredients or processes to exactly mimic the end result. So Maddie, have you slash which one do you like better, the Beyond Meat or the Impossible Foods Burger? Or have you had them? Do they taste the same as beef to you? What do you think? I have tried the Impossible Burger and I really enjoyed it. I haven't tried Beyond Meat. Okay. But just imagine what if, for example, one of my investments, what if instead of getting your Starbucks cold brew, you had a Tomo cold brew, an investment uh, I made at Bessemer with my colleague, Lindsay. We are using upcycled materials, literally natural agricultural waste, stems and nuts and roots and leaves and seeds and a special chemical reaction to exactly mimic coffee. Zero, if not negative carbon impact, which unfortunately coffee does have quite a carbon footprint growing coffee beans, great for the environment, tastes the same, is going to be cheaper and is the same to you with caffeine and nutritionally, it's they're both zero calories, unless you, I do put cream and sugar. But um, that's just one example of imagine all of the products that you can replace with plants that have all of those same things. If they taste the same, if they're the same price, if not cheaper, they're better for the environment and better for you. Uh, that's what I'm excited to invest in. That's what I'm excited to partner in and um, have made a handful of investments in that space and looking forward to continuing doing so. Oh, that sounds fun. I'm going to transition us over into diversity in deep tech and kind of have some discussion around around this topic. So, you know, you've been in this deep tech ecosystem, both as an engineer and a VC. Um, I'd love to hear your perspective on the ecosystem, what has changed in the last few years and what you hope will change in the next you know, handful of years. Thank you for, for asking, because this is an incredibly important topic that I am delighted that everyone is is acknowledging and working towards specifically your your second question of how the industry needs to change and i'm going to um break this up actually into the two industries that i have been involved with the deep tech as an actual aerospace engineer and then now as as a a partner at a venture capital firm i like data and and i think the first step of 
how we eventually need to change is where are we at today? What does the situation look like right now? So, so starting with the, the deep tech as the aerospace engineer, when I first joined Bessemer four years ago, I made a, a space market map. I broke down and categorized and aggregated every single space startup company. So these are privately funded, venture-backed space companies. And of the about 400 space companies I aggregated, there were three with um, a female in the co-founding team, two of them as CEO, one of them as CTO, and one with a black CEO. Remember the denominator is 400-ish, three female, one black. Now let's use where we're at in terms of venture capital. The percentage of female decision makers at US venture capital firms in 2016 was 5.7%. In 2017, that increased to seven. In 2018, that was 8.9%. 2019, it was 9.7. 2020, it was 12.4%. And today, it's 14.2%. So that's 243 female decision makers, so female venture capitalists or check writers, out of 1,716. So the data. And and unfortunately, I don't have that data on the top of my head in terms of um, race diversity. So, So three out of about 400 female CEOs, one out of 400 black CEOs, and 14.2% female VCs. So digging into how those numbers, how that percentage of, let's say, female VCs have increased throughout the years, like, what does that tell me? Hey, it's increasing. It is, it went from 5.7 to 14.2 over five years. It's increasing, but it's increasing slowly. Now, what do I hope in five years from now? Hey, that number should be 50%. Females are 50% of the population. It, it should be 5%. Now, I hope it doesn't take another five years to get there. And I hope it's it's a steeper slope or potentially an exponential slope, but especially with everyone acknowledging and working towards fixing this problem, I'm confident. However, I've said one vector of diversity in venture capital, two in, in aerospace, diver, uh, gender and race, but there are so many more. And these are just two that we can see above the iceberg. Like Maddie, I can see you are a white female, but there are so many things under the iceberg that... Maybe you were the first one in your family to go to college. Maybe where are your parents from? How were you raised? All of these things that you don't see that are just as important in terms of diversity around venture capital partnership tables, around startup companies, founding teams, CEOs. I'm really excited you're asking this question, that these conversations are happening and that we're figuring out what the data is, figuring out where we need to go, and then taking the right steps to get there. Yes. Yes, I agree. I'm excited to be asking these questions. My next question is, you know, with this data in mind, you know, what are your ideas on how we can increase the number of women and underrepresented founders starting businesses in deep tech? I think there is um, so many action items. One of them is, is, Maddie, you're doing it. It's amplifying the voices of the deep tech funders, the female deep tech funders. So we've got Founders and funders, and I think we're, we're lacking on both ends. So it's supporting one another, shining on one another, amplifying one another, being there, and supporting one another is really important. Um, until there's more of us, the few of us have to really support and shine and, and, and be there for one another. And that really helps with feeling included. The D and I, so the diversity and inclusion, 
go hand in hand in order to, to more easily feel included. There's just more of you that look like you, the diversity part. But until the diversity part gets better, because remember, 14.2%, uh, the 14.2 the that are there have to support one another and be there for one another. And I love initiatives and I'm focusing on the VC part quickly of uh, like all race that is for female venture capitalists. Moving to aerospace engineering, there's um, the Brooke Owens Fellowship that we just recruited Lori Garver to Bessemer Venture Partners. Lori was the former deputy administrator of NASA. She's run many presidential transitions and was just recently awarded a Lifetime Achievement Award in Aerospace. So she created a fellowship called the Brooke Owens Fellowship for females in aerospace engineering pursuing careers um, in that industry to help basically younger females follow in the footsteps that she trailblazed, that she created. So it's these types of organizations helping helping one another out. Yeah, I love that. That's that's a great, great resource to share here, too, for any engineers uh, listening that might be interested in applying and, and getting in more involved what advice would you give someone thinking about starting a company in the deep tech space? I would encourage you, and 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 I'm specifically digging into the advice that I would give women or underrepresented founders to have a professional board of advisors of diverse people themselves. So having people, and hey, I, I, I have this uh, board of advisors myself, of five to eight people that you go to for for professional or sometimes personal, which I depend on mine sometimes as well, uh, challenges that you're going through. And making sure that group is diverse themselves. So looking at uh, their gender, their age, their sexual orientation, their children's status, their relationship status, their et cetera, all of those things. And, And really developing that group to go to for challenges that you arise. Now, hey, hopefully there'll be uh, previous CEOs themselves that can help you specifically navigate these waters. Um, and, and why I think that group should be diverse themselves is that you get a handful of data points and you're going to be dealing with a bunch of diverse people that can help provide you guidance towards these steps you're taking. And, and this, this personal board of advisors is really for the individual's learning and growth versus for their company. Or is it for both? It can be both. It really can okay. be both. I think the line gets blurry, but um, yeah. you can make it a professional and you can have two separate professional and personal board of advisors. Sometimes though, the people are going to be the same on those lists. Some overlapping. Investors are in the audience listening to this. You know, what should they be thinking about and learning? What makes a great What makes a great investor? There are three types of investors and I'm going to be specific here in terms of board members, because eventually the investor after investing in the company joins the company's board. And I think deep tech investors are especially good at this first type of investor, which is the subject matter expert, the person who understands the market, understands the technology or the products that you're building, and can really help you find that product market fit. They know all of the players in the space, they know all the customers you're working with, and they can help handhold you to after developing the products, because I don't think any investor should know as much as the founder does about the actual science, but can help you navigate the early company creation. Let's say this is series seed or series A. The second type of of investor is the sales and marketing guru, the person who who either created the sales or marketing or both organization knows how many AEs you need with what quotas and how to do 
demand generation and pipeline, et cetera, that once you found the product market fit can help you figure out what go-to-market strategy your product is best matched with and pushing the throttle in amplifying that, increasing sales. The third type of investor board member is the, the finance guru, the person who knows what your S1s need to look like in order to go public and um, maybe was in private equity or later in the supply chain earlier in their career and, and now is helping you grow from that startup toddler to the startup teenager before going public when you become an adult. And then repeating, I think, deep tech investors, they're the super power subject matter expert. They're that person who really does understand the, the deep tech, the science, and what market your product is going after. The second and third doesn't necessarily need to have that, which is equally important in having your business model and growing your company. Um, but there's more of those types of investors in the venture community. If an angel or investor is considering or is starting to look at more deal flow on the deep tech side, you know, what advice would you have for them as they're just starting to learn and explore deep tech investing? If it's that early as, as angels invest, like really making sure the science and the physics work. Hey, I have an undergrad and a master's in aeronautics and astronautics, and we still hire external consultants to really dig in and make sure the math works. Um, so that early, hey, you're really investing in that person. Like ideas pivot, people don't. So I guess that could come down to like, do you trust that this person can can do it and that they're telling you correct? And not saying people are maliciously like lying to you or maybe they just don't know, but really doing your diligence, really making sure that the rocket equation drives or closes or making sure that this AI is is is, is possible in the future. So maybe building their, your network of experts in, in the sectors that you're starting to dig into. Well, better said than I did. <laughs> How do you stay curious? I mean, you're, you're digging into autonomous vehicles, into aerospace, into food tech. Like, how do you stay curious? What books and podcasts and blogs inspire you? And, and then, of course, my question of any sci-fi recommendations coming from the world of sci-fi. After you just shared the guests on this podcast... I am so excited to add this one to this list of, um, of podcasts that inspire me. And I can't wait to listen to all of the awesome other speakers you're about to have. So once this is in the wild, Maddie's yes. Kaufman <laughs> podcast. Um, and I also have to shamelessly plug, I write a comic. It's called Add a Ride. It's kind of like Dora the Explorer in space. So oh, amazing. Uh, ride is Sally Ride, Ada is Ada Lovelace. So it's it's um it's on Instagram. She goes on these space adventures with her robot friend, and then a chimp comes along, and it's just a fun side gig. I think it's at Ada underscore ride on Instagram. Just okay. plug. Let me just make sure that's right. Yes, 16 followers. That is me. <laughs> 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 but this question Honestly, entrepreneurs, they are the best people to learn from. This food tech roadmap came from Sonny and Ismail came to my office and they served me all these plant-based lamb dishes. And I was like, whoa, got me really inspired. And that's how I started digging now into, into plant-based food. It's it's these entrepreneurs that are, are literally the ones turning theory into reality and they're pushing these industries forward. That's how I, I learn and I stay curious because I genuinely just want to understand everything about them and what they're working on and the problem they've located and the solution they've come up with and asking a ton of questions. So um, I uh, uh, really 
And so I, I admire and respect entrepreneurs and, and, and founders and CEOs immensely. Um, it's really tough. It's, it's really, really tough. And um, I just really have the most admiration for them. Yes, I do too. And they, they, they have the hardest job out there. Jump to our final question. What fuels you to keep investing, to keep growing and learning and, and being curious and doing all this great work that you do? It's twofold. The first is working with my CEOs, the portfolio companies that we've invested in, that I have the honor of, of serving on their boards, working with those founders every day is what keeps me doing this gig. I love working with each and every one of them and whatever problem they're solving, which is, 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 is very different, whether it's opening space for business and lowering the barrier under to space, whether it's making autonomous vehicles safer, whether it's figuring out how drones can ubiquitously and safely fly in our airspace, or whether it's coming up with plant-based food alternatives. And it's not just the problems, but it's the people specifically. The second piece of this is paying it forward. And hey, I starting the podcast, thanking Sally Ride for allowing me to, to the 12, 13 year old me to, to look at someone who kind of looked like me and be like, okay, of course I can do that. We hear a lot in space, the names Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson. And I could not be more excited that in the near term future, we are going to land the first woman on the surface of the moon. And I really look forward to adding a female name to that list of, of space entrepreneurs and helping pave the path just a little bit easier for fellow female venture capitalists and aerospace engineers to follow in one's footsteps. And I, at a macro level, I mean, this, all the little girls are growing up with a female vice president. So I, I'm just really excited for this moment. Space and venture capital. I have goosebumps. Thank you so much for inspiring today and inspiring me, inspiring our audience. I'm so happy to have uh, gotten a chance to have this conversation with you and reconnect. And so thank you so much. Thank you, Maddie. I really enjoyed the chat. That's a wrap. Tune in next week for another candid conversation on what makes a great VC investor with your host, the Kaufman Fellows.